broken my heart in ways I didn't know I could be counted. Welcome back to Not Your Average Church Girl podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be speaking with PKs, but these PKs decided that they were going to be pastors. I don't know why, but we're going to find out why. Um, In the last episode, I did speak with uh, guests who were PKs, but were not pastors and but were involved in church. And we got to hear a little bit from them. But today we got three very uh, different uh, pastors, kids, for those of you who may not know what PK stands for. Uh, But like I said last time, I'm going to say it again why I'm doing this. Um, Yes, growing up in church, I used to hear a lot of stuff about the pastor's kids my pastor's kids all the time from other people. And, but rarely did I get to hear like their side of the, the story. Rarely did they get to defend themselves. And as I was listening to the last guest I had on this last season, you know, they all kind of said the same thing, you know, entering ministry. I just don't want my kids to be like the PKs I grew up with. And I thought, man, that's kind of messed up, you know, for PKs, because again, here's the stigma, but yet, we don't really hear from them. And only like two of the guests were actual PKs, but they didn't really talk about their experience in depth. So I thought I'm going to I'm gonna have a special episode. So I did talk to some um, PKs. They're not pastors. They do serve in church. And, you know, you guys got to hear their story. But today I got some pretty sick PK pastors. That's what I'm calling them in this episode, y'all. I'm calling them <laughs> PK <laughs> pastors. My guests today are Pastor Christina Navar Collin of Iglesia Poder de Dios in Reseda, California. I have Pastor Josh Canales of Mission Ebenezer Family Center in Carson, California. And Pastor Jack Miranda, founder of Living Faith La Mirada, right? Yay, yay. Uh, he was a teacher of mine in Bible school. Uh, he's a church planner as well, a nonprofit leader, and uh, a pretty Twitter savage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, Pastor Twitter's my friend. Yeah, your your handle on Twitter is Pastor Jack Five, right? At Pastor Jack Five. Yeah, follow follow his page if you're on Twitter. It's it's pretty nice. <laughs> and I was like, did he just say that? Yeah, he just said that. That's cool, cool, cool. Now they they each carry their own weight in in ministry, but they are children of pastors who are some pretty heavy hitters in our faith, in our denomination, in our communities, right? which could be its own pressure, which we will get to uh, later on. Um, but even after, you know, living with these pastors, they have decided to be pastors too. Yeah, they're looking at me like that's not that, like that's nothing. But to me, I'm just like, man, that's a lot. I grew up in church and I'm a pastor and even I'm like, I can't believe I'm actually doing this. <laughs> well, I was also least likely to be a pastor. I was a traviesa, and I was the one biting people yeah, in nursery. One, you're, you're the one God wanted to use. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, joke's on you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so today they're going to share a little bit about their life um, as a PK, but also as a pastor. Um, PK pastor, as I'm going to be referring to them. Uh, so thank you, everyone, for Absolutely. joining me today. Yes, thank you. Cool. Nice. So tell me a little bit about yourselves. 
Um, I am an associate pastor at Poder de Dios. I'm also a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm married. I've been married seven years. I have a three-year-old daughter and a seven-month, uh, some two eight, two months away from having another princess in the house. So creating some God-fearing women. And I serve alongside with my husband. He's a, our music director at church. So we're all just, you know, serving together in the kingdom. And yeah. Sweet. It's awesome. I'll go, Pastor. Uh, Josh Canales, um, Mission Ebenezer Family Church here in Carson, California. Um, family of uh, three boys. I'm the eldest of three. I'm 42. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely a Gen Xer. And um, uh, married for 18 years. Got three awesome, awesome kids. Two boys and a girl. And um, went to University of Florida. Graduated, though, from UCLA with a degree in history, and then I got my Master's of Divinity at Fuller, um, doing that by, you know, um, part-time for eight years. I mean, it was way too long, <laughs> but when you're married, you got kids, and you're already full-time in ministry, you know, you got to get it, you got to get it done uh, some way, somehow, and, but just stoked to, um, to serve, yeah, here in the local church, um, uh, intentional about being involved and accountable to, um, um, our fellowship of churches, which is the, the Southern Pacific District, which is a part of the Assemblies of God, uh, really a global movement. And uh, so proud to be a part of that, the Spanish language regions and love my heritage, my legacy. Um, but, um, you know, I think first and foremost, um, my heart has always been towards just people who love Jesus and um, not my my latino culture although i'm proud of it mm -hmm. yeah. uh but you know my wife's uh african-american she comes from nigerian descent and so our three kids definitely look like the united nations you know so <laughs> yeah so they came out they came out puerto rican you know uh, mexican-american and nigerian that's what you get yeah. you, you get uh, nice. you get puerto ricans and a whole lot of screaming <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's just that's just a little bit about me all right yeah. so thanks Arjali, for having us on it's good. Yeah. That's good. Jack Miranda, uh, I would add uh, uh, to the Canales uh, story, Josh is a fourth generation, I believe, Assemblies of God credentialed minister. Nice. So this goes deep. Uh, from his mother's side, uh, from my mom's side, uh, my mom's a pastor's kid. My wife is a pastor's kid. And let me clarify, because I feel honored to be amongst pastor's kids here. Uh, but there's a difference, and we can get into it later but there's a difference between a pastor's kid and a preacher's kid mm. different pressures mm. and i didn't experience the pressure that my own kids may have felt uh, i was a preacher's kid so kind of a a, a free right. agent yeah. uh, i didn't have the same eyes on me that uh, they would have on mm. them and, that's a good uh, point pastor. but i'm a third mm. i'm a third generation ordained minister with the assemblies of god and it's good to share the space with a with a female two female pastors i get a, tr a, a a kick out of reading our our twitter line uh uh of these presbyterian and these southern baptists thinking they're being revolutionary by letting women preach in their Come churches mm -hmm. i just chuckle and say <laughs> that's my heritage that's right. uh, if anything sure. else we need more we need more women to be proclaiming the gospel but the assemblies of god has always was founded on the idea that we're going to use a hundred percent 
of God's people uh, people group. And so glad to be here, Araceli. And uh, you're one of my favorite students. Oh, yeah. I'm saying that because you're here. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm fine with that. I I will gladly accept it. Actually, it's crazy. Um, Pastor Jack was one of my teachers. And um, my first class with you was the evangelism class. And um, which I remember taking it and thinking, oh, yeah, I'm definitely a person who can go out. I'm comfortable speaking. And I still use a lot of those practices today. I really, and I'm not just saying that because you're here. I tell people that all the time. Um, now, if there's any other life lessons, like I don't remember all the verses you had us rem- remember, but <laughs> Lord, I love you. I promise. Uh, no, no. But uh, a lot of the practices, on especially like how to speak to people, how to approach, you know, how to be able to, because I'm a talker. The practical stuff. Yeah. So he's just like, get it down to one minute. You know, all you got the elevator speech. That's the biggest thing I remember learning. I'm just like, yo, I don't even know how to do that. Okay. It takes me like an hour to get. Well, you know, podcasts are definitely (laughs) about 50 to (laughs) 60 minutes. So I do. That's your elevator speech. I was like, that is my my podcast. I don't have an elevator speech. I have a freeway traffic speech. That's what I got. (laughs) So if y'all listen to this uh, on the traffic while you're in traffic or on a road trip, that that's what I do. That's yeah. my jam. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. And yes, Pastor Jack, you're right. You are a preacher's kid. You are a preacher's kid. There is a difference. You 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 do have a little bit more space. Um, but I do I do want your experience also to be shared because I think yes, there are PKs, but there's a lot of leaders' kids out there too. Whether they're parents or ministry leaders, worship leaders, you know what I mean. Um, evangelism. Uh, kids you know whose parents are out and about all the time missionaries kids missionary kids they're there my mother would say as a preacher as a pastor's kid she would say this is not contrary to popular belief it's not the family business Mm. right you have to be called correct uh and so make sure you're called jack don't just follow in your because your dad's there god has no grandchildren Mm. she would tell me that right and it's like uh, all right and so that uh, at age 16, I was called to pulpit ministry and uh, I knew that. Can you describe a little bit of what life was like um, as a pastor's kid or a preacher's kid? What what did your day to day kind of look like? You know, like like Pastor Jack said, you know, for me, I was a pastor's kid and a preacher's kid, you know, and um, uh, an academic, you know, professor kid. You know, my pops did everything. Um, from teaching in seminaries and Bible colleges, president of Bible college. Um, so you're not going to hear a whole lot of um, the negative experiences I had in church being a PK. More so on a personal level, it's just going to be just some of the challenges that I faced in my teenage years because my pops was was traveling so much, you know, raising the banner of Christ, working hard for his family, traveling up and down the you know the coast recruiting for bible college when he was the president leading the hispanic department at fuller seminary for 20 years after his predecessor dr gay while teaching new testament right um and then pastoring a church for 40 years you know plus so that was that was the the essence of what me and my brothers kind of grew up with and it was a it was just kind of an eye-opening experience for my pops um, when I was 13 and a half and my mom said, Isaac, um, do you know who Josh is hanging with these days? Do you, uh, do you know the things he's getting into that I see when you're gone? And 
So, um, and I was leading my brothers already, you know, they were following me like the, the head duck. <laughs> um, and so my middle brother, David, was already getting into the same stuff I was getting into, you know, experimental stuff, alcohol, weed, you know, tagging and stuff like that. And so my, my pops kind of like pumped his brakes and he made a huge adjustment. Wow. He rearranged his teaching schedules at the seminaries. He rearranged what time he was home every afternoon. He started saying no to a lot of things. Um, he started protecting his weekends to be where we were, which was sports. Um, and so there were some, some great, great things that happened there. Um, but in the church, I mean, there's a whole bunch of, you know, uh, war stories and battle scars. Yeah, yeah. But not because I was a pastor's kid. So i'll just i'll just leave it there um it was a pretty good experience as a pastor's kid because right. my dad if y'all don't know my pops <laughs> you know he's the gangster pastor yeah. <laughs> so he didn't care about what people at church was saying or, yeah, or right. you know his job was i'm gonna protect my cubs yeah. you know and so maybe my dad took on a lot of that that we never felt never saw never heard but there were other things that pop said you know he he always put the family the Canales family before church ministry. Mm -hmm. He had that figured out by the time he pastored That's because awesome. my grandfather was the opposite. Uh. Was the work of God was the first and the yeah. foremost above everything, wow. above wife, above kids, above, you know, everything. Right. And so, so, so pops and his generation, you know, they had some things figured out for us. And, and he, my dad and my mom, Rita, who's also an ordained uh, pastor within our district, um, I, I think Pastor Jack, he had a lot to do with um, helping my mom on on ramp and on board in that process um, after 35 years of, of just, you know, being being a first lady and and being a part of a church when she said God's called her to ministry. And so so thanks, Pastor. Much wow. props. Wow. He's always been a proponent for yeah. for always. the good, for the yes. good. And so so but m mostly mostly good. Yeah, mostly good. And we'll save the other stuff for later. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So I have, um, we don't come from a, a, a pastoral generational uh, family. So both of my parents just had these radical encounters uh, with Christ and were all in, really, from the beginning. Um, yeah. So uh, Tina's mom... Pastor Tina's mom was actually yeah. on one of our episodes yes. on what's it like being a co-pastor. Yeah. And she she shares a little bit about what it's like. So I'm like really interested to hear yeah. your. So go ahead. I just want to throw that yeah. in real quick. Okay. So uh, my mom is uh, Pastora Lupita Navar. Um, she just has such a heart for women and mentoring women. And um, she's been side by side with my dad. But we don't they didn't come from backgrounds of you know, um, AG or even Pentecostal movements, they both just had radical encounters with Christ and were like, what does this look like? We're all in, whatever that is. Um, my brother is nine years older than me, so we definitely have these different stories of he got to see, and, and there's a, I believe that there's a very big difference between being a church planter and getting past a baton in a church where, you know, it's been running and it's been, it's been going. 
And so my parents were just sponges. They were they were being mentored by the you know the fathers of of these pastors, um, where you know Pastor Jesse Miranda was there teaching them, training them, showing them, and Brother Canales as well. Where they were just you know my parents were these sponges because they didn't know what this looked like, and so they had you know giants in the faith that were training them and teaching them and showing them this is what it looks like. So we started in our garage. Um, you know, we would just gather on Sundays in our garage and little by little went to renting and from renting, you know, buying property uh, of like from a Lutheran church that was built in the 40s. Properties. In the Properties. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 going down the block. And so God has been good and faithful, but um, they've they've just been like open sponges to figuring out what that looked like and, and being able to learn from others and and figure out our church's DNA. Like, what do we stand for? And what do we, what is this all about? And how do we expand the kingdom? And how do we, you know, so for us, it was, um, there, that balance wasn't there. We, we didn't know what it looked like. It's like, I, I sat through board meetings, you know, and praying that another kid would come (laughs) so that I had somebody to play with. And, you know, it's not like we had iPads or cell phones where I could play. It was like, man, I hope there's another kid that goes tonight. Like, please go to the board meeting just because you wanted somebody to hang out with. And, you know, for my brother as well, even though he was older, he got to kind of, he was in his teens and I was still a kid. So, um, the balance wasn't always there. That was something that we've figured out within the last couple yeah. of years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I will say is my parents were the same as home as they were on the altar. Yeah. So I had no like, well, he's a different person here. He's, you know, or no, it was like the same man or woman that I would see preaching and speaking. That was like the same message that they were telling me at home. So the consistency was there, That's cool. uh, which was which was something that always like, okay, this is real. The gospel is real. Like the Jesus in them is real because I'm seeing the same person and the same message lived out, not only, you know, preached, but lived out. And so, um, it's been a a learning experience of, you know, just seeing, um, seeing how they, uh, my parents are dreamers. My dad is a man that just moves in faith and, you know, we'll look at a bank account and be like, Oh, there's nothing there. Well, we're still doing it. And it's like God will just show up and we've 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 just seen like God's faithfulness and provision. And um, we're just I'm so honored to be able to to now do ministry with them Mm -hmm. and to pastor alongside with them and to be a help like, you know, for our community and for our church and to dream with them, but also dream bigger and, you know, do other things that for the kingdom of God. So um, now as I'm, you know, pregnant and starting my family, I'm like, okay, this is where the legacy continues. So that's the first generation of pastors. And not that the expectation is necessarily there for my kids. Like you have to do that. Um, We do, my brother and I also serve in my, you know, help my dad out in his businesses that he had prior to pastoring. So it's really full circle it's for full circle love, you know, being able, but how pastor Jack said it, you know, the expectation was never there. I do remember my mom being like, what you think is unfair, like things that my brother was able to do that I wasn't, she was like, well, you're the one with the calling. And I was like, huh? Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, mom. Well, you know, like things like that were like, they were, they were words of like conviction, but I was like, yeah, she's right. I, I'm called, I'm called to this. Yeah. So it would like keep me in check so quick because I was like, she's right. You know, she's not wrong. I am called and I knew it. So, you know, it's 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 been a blessing. It's just um, church planting is very different, I believe, than, you know, the pastoral setting that I walked into versus what they've had to plant. 
from the start it are two totally different different worlds so yeah. it's uh it's an inheritance and we're uh we're blessed we're blessed to have it we see the different models and uh when christina talks about balance uh, i think that's for any family that's uh that's almost impossible I think just recognizing priorities is what I've probably heard from Dr. Canala saying, hey, my, 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 my boys are a priority. Yeah. Uh, and I know I, I mean, we're talking about a scholar. We're talking about a New Testament PhD scholar. And when you get that, there's got to be a little bit of swag with that. It's like, you know, I'm not my own. I got to share this. And Dr. Miranda, Dr. Jesse Miranda, the same way, only, uh, I, I'm my personality is much more like my mother's so I would I was probably uh, what Paul whoever Paul's thorn in the flesh was <laughs> I might have been that to Dr. Miranda <laughs> kept him on his knees uh, and and I remember he used to have this weekly uh, phone wherever they were in the world he'd meet with these top ranked uh, top uh, Christian men and women you know James Dobson uh, just top uh, top pastors and ministers, and they agreed during a season to uh, to call once a week, a conference call. And I, I imagine that I was the subject of my when my dad would, you know, any prayer requests. Is yeah, you know, my oldest son, he's not serving the Lord. Uh, you know, just just keep him in your prayers. And uh, and it's true, I have a a a, rat, a gossip story of the preacher's kid in my life. My pastor. Uh, is now my father. He's my father-in-law. He's passed away uh, three or four years ago. Uh, but uh, that's a story. It's a. It's a. It's a. Uh, it's a. It's a. Uh, what, what do you want to call it? A. Uh, a scandal. A scandal. Uh, and it actually did uh, contribute to the splitting of that church. And so pastors. Uh, that's one of our fears. Is is a splitting. And so one of the reasons I'm a church planter is if you're going to split, I'm going to be the one that initiates it. Uh, and so Pre I'm a preempted. Yeah. yeah. I'm more, I'm the more name about of Jesus. emptying the church right. than filling it. That uh, was my yeah. ministry philosophy. But some of that comes out of protection for my own wife, who was a preacher, a pastor's kid. And she saw the trauma that wow. happened in her family mm -hmm. uh, with one from one Sunday to the next. You've got a 400 member church that's now down to 70. And uh, so she saw what that did to her parents and they never really recovered. Uh, and so part of my contribution to that was, uh, you know, you know, the, the, this is it should never happen. The pastor's kid, the pastor's daughter got pregnant. She got pregnant before she was married. And uh, that should never happen. And so the, the ripples that go down and then not addressing that at the church level. Uh, uh, probably contributed to the health or the lack of health in that church and contributed to the split. But but guess who was the one that got the pastor's daughter pregnant? Uh, <laughs> pastor Jack Miranda. The, the preacher's kid. Yeah, the preacher's, the preacher's kid. kid. <laughs> and so, though you know, we talk about scandal and we talk about, and we've uh, here's the testimony. Uh, we're going on 42 years of marriage. Uh, seven children. Uh, eight grandchildren, wow. uh, and uh, that's God's that's God's grace yeah. and mm -hmm. mercy. Uh, but that still doesn't uh, that doesn't explain 
the real stuff that happens uh, to real people, human beings. At the end of the day, uh, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers are human beings, and they pastor. Yeah. Uh, or they missionary, yeah. or they yeah. preach, or they they're academics. Right. But you're human beings. Yeah. yeah. And so those are the things that happened in in our in our uh, in our reality. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I apologize to my in-laws mm. uh, for the scandal, uh, but I, I I it was a belated apology mm. uh, because I stepped away from the church for 18 years, and I wish, like Josh was saying, uh, Pastor Josh was saying that. You know, there wasn't really that in the church or I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about it. For me, I wish there were hypocrites that I was surrounded with that I could point to (laughs) and say, that's why I left the church. They're not living life. They're they're scandalous. It's like, no, that didn't happen in my little church. Mm. They're beautiful men and women of God. My Royal Ranger commanders. Oh, my God. To this day, I look up. I look up to them and I remember their names. I remember the things that they taught me. And so uh, some of it was secondhand smoke, you know, you just, and it's delayed uh, (laughs) virtue, uh, but thank God it's there. And so that's what I would tell young pastors, young parents. uh, Hey, that's, you expose them to that secondhand smoke. And, uh, you know, I don't regret having to be at church five, six, seven days a week. Uh, Now, uh, back then, absolutely. (laughs) um you guys talked a little bit about like um maybe witnessing like pastor josh you talk about like there's that church drama right right there's always just with people period there's going to be some kind of friction because you know the enemy you know feeds on that kind of stuff right on our emotions and making something out of nothing and i'm sure as as preachers kids and as pastors kids i'm sure you you may not have been the subject of that but I'm sure you've witnessed your parents have to deal with it. You know, as as kids growing up, you know, whether you're a kid, a teenager, young adult, or even now, you know, how did you, if you would notice that, if you saw that your parents were hurting because of something going on in the church, how do you guys handle that? How did you deal with it? How, how did you, how did you feel about it? And how did you take care of it? You know, for me, um, my grandfather and grandmother canales paternal grandparents they they were church planners like jack um and they planted several churches throughout southern california and baja california so (coughs) they were always on the move and they were always helping other people lift up works from the ground up one of our pastors here joe hernandez my grandfather helped took material from southern california to yuma arizona to help them build churches out there like our our generations and history goes back, but the the to to your question, um, when when I think of the the challenge that pastors go through, a lot of that hurt and a lot of that pain, um, my grandparents felt because they went through a church split mm. um, at a church here in Los Angeles. I won't say the name. Right. No, Th- it's fine. They <laughs> went through a church split. And they left because they didn't want the church to fall apart. And they so they left. And they were not going to pastor anymore. But when they relocated to the projects of Harbor City and they were poor, and my grandmother looked at my, my grandfather and just said, Miguel, we're, we're pastors. We, we can't we can't do this. We're supposed to be, you know, doing the, the Lord's work. And so that's that was Mission Ebenezer, that next church. Um, and. So a, a lot of the hurt and pain that they experienced and went through, um, I would have to say this, 
my pops, um, Dr. Canales, he he developed some pretty thick skin. And I knew that I, I believe that when he was called, there was something related to vindication in his mindset and his spirit that was going to protect himself and his own from experiencing the 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 depth of the pain mm. that my grandparents that brokenness mm. you love the sheep and then when the sheep bite you you know <laughs> yeah. and 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 not to say that they're innocent and never make mistakes we all make mistakes right pastor we've all made mistakes we've all we've hurt people too we've hurt the sheep sometimes intentionally unintentionally as pastors but my my pops he was i think he had he had he had committed in his own mind and in his own heart that he was going to go at this thing very very differently um so as to not experience that that same type of hurt that same type of challenge that he that he experienced and saw his parents go through so we're we're i'm on th- i'm on this side of that yeah mm-hmm. um probably a lot of why I'm called to ministry is by what I saw in my dad and the way he he um, operated in ministry in a professional way and in, in a, 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 a in a terms of a of a template um, man he, he was amazing he's an amazing pastor he, he I mean he, he could write a book on it right and he lived it my mom she comes from ministry, five generations, missionaries, pastors, teachers, preachers, you name it. But it was her heart to serve people that I think f- kind of filled in the gaps there um, where that's why they were they, they were just a perfect combination. And so when I look back at God's calling on my life, you know, I saw a lot. I heard a lot. When I started to be able to understand Spanish, <laughs> I, I was able to pick up on a lot of those, the, what was going on. And, and, uh, but it, I think it was my mom's servant heart. Pastor, I'm like you. I'm more like my mom than my dad. But a lot of my learned traits is from my pops. I, I learned how to be a certain way that, that is needed sometimes, but um, just naturally and innate. I'm I'm a missionary like my mom. I'm I'm just a softy on the you know on the inside and and um and so I think that's where the calling really just kind of for me just um it it's become uh, just so natural that when when God called for me it was like okay Lord yes I'm here I'm whatever you need me or wherever you want me Lord I'm here and um, I love my parents for it um, you know. I don't look back at my parents or my dad or this or anything and say, you know, they did this or they should have did that. And, you know, that we save that for family talk and yeah. <laughs> say that for family talk and, yeah. and, and stuff like that. But but when just the the example that they gave us, like in ministry, it was it was a blessing, not perfect, but it was a blessing for me. I think, man, I as a child, I think I was protected often. So I saw the tears, you know, that were shed, you know, when, when they were hurt or, or rumors that were spread, but I didn't understand too much of it or I was like protected from it. And so I think there was always like a level of, uh, just wanting to make sure I hadn't been hurt personally. And so my parents would always say things like, you know, it's, uh, 
it's us or, or it was towards us. It wasn't towards like you or, you know, maybe necessarily our family, but you know, um, we always felt protected if, if anyone tried to hurt, you know, my parents. And so you, you obviously grieve for, you know, you're just like, Oh, I don't want to see my parents hurt. Or like, why would somebody say something like that? Um, but then you understand that people are people and, um, you know, we serve a, a, a big God and we have huge expectations on God, but for people, sometimes we lower those expectations or we need to keep those expectations lowered for people. Um, and so for me, it was like it, there was a constant like shield of protection within our home to make sure that that nobody would could or would hurt us, um, either with their words or even my parents uh, were very careful with, you know, even letting people stay in our home. Um, and so they'd provide other avenues for pastors or missionaries to stay. And it's not that they didn't want to open their home. It was that we got to make sure like, you know, our kids are OK and that we're not taking away, you know, uh, from their safety and their safe place. And so they put these protective measures wherever they could to make sure that as a family, you know, we weren't affected. But, you know, even in the financial hits, we would have conversations at the table like, OK, are we all moving? You know, should we all move into, you know, a small apartment? And are we going to continue to do this for the Lord? And so they always made my brother and I participants of these big decisions mm, when cool. needed. And so it was like a, a layer of, of safety and protection. But it was also like you guys are involved in this, too. And how is this going to affect you? Which we really appreciated. I really appreciated because I was able to know when huge changes, you know, were coming our way. And so things were we weren't blindsided by ministry or like oh we got a new building project we might have to cut back on this 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 and it was like oh, okay okay so we were aware of of major changes but when it came to abrupt you know things that just happened and hurt from people there was always a, a layer of making sure that we were okay and of checking in with us to make sure like did this affect my kids or did they even are they aware do they know or are they going to hear it from someone else at church and you know, um, is it going to be gossip and then they're going to be blindsided by these things. So we were always part of, of big things that were coming our way, which I really appreciated the open communication. So that's yeah. awesome. Dang. That's awesome. That was big. Yeah, it was big. It was big from both of our parents, like knowing that, um, without the without them having to experience this from you know grandparents or even the warning they knew you know they knew this isn't this isn't the easiest thing so let's make sure our kids are okay now remind me what the name of this podcast is not your average church girls um you know there's a whole there's a whole generation maybe uh as we know those of us who study the institution we call the church, the Christian church. We're talking about this people group that is leaving the church. They're even called nuns, uh, not Catholic, not N-U-N-S, nuns. Like they, I, I don't have any affiliation. And some of that comes from the damage of, of the church itself. And uh, one of the things I learned from my dad, the preacher, was we, we've been fixated for too long on uh, sin management. And that that's that's what we do. And and so the pastor's kids were the poster children for that's not what you do. And I, I bet they could say and I can testify that my father never used me as an illustration, either good or bad. I would have never objected to any of the good. He just <laughs> left that off the table uh, and how tempting it is as preachers 
to use as an illustration our own kids. And so uh, those are important things to recognize. And, and what I would say now, at 63 years old, as a preacher, not so much a pastor anymore. I retired almost three years ago. And my childhood friend, Steve Camarillo, we grew up on the Latin American Bible Institute campus together. Both fathers were professors. Uh, so he's like a year older than me. So when we came to California from New Mexico, I was one year old, he was two years old, and we've known each other that long. He's the pastor of Living Faith in La Mirada, which we call the biggest little church on mm -hmm. the planet. That's right. Mm -hmm. I'm a little church, I'm a small yes. church pastor. I get nervous uh, for Pastor Josh uh, that this church is so large. Wow. I don't have the administrative skills for that. But, but what I did learn and what I think is important for this conversation is that we're, it's the democratization of the ministry, mm -hmm. of the pastorate. Listen, I'm not in this alone. I've been called as a pastor to edify you, equip you for what you're going to do as the pastor of wherever your assignment is Monday through Saturday. Uh, and I'm not on the hook for evangelizing the world. We're on the hook. Right. For, so that's for me any any of our first generation because the Southern Pacific District is predominantly Spanish language meaning their first generation meaning it's very hierarchical meaning the the, the you know even the dress code yeah. uh, is and and so patriarchical the, as well the kids have to follow that too yeah. so you know you a nine-year-old boy might want to wear shorts. No, yeah. no, mijo. And tennis shoes. No, you got to wear your Sunday school sh shoes. And yeah. But we're going to play out outside. We're going <laughs> to run, man. I can't run as far fast with my... With my with my dress yeah. shoes, yeah. as yeah. sorry, that's how we do it. And so to really kind of, there's a liberating message that I think Jesus had from day one. Uh, you know, he did he shared in the synagogue, but most of his ministry was out. And and so those are the things I would want to liberate our movement with is, hey, we are all don't you look at Pastor Josh any differently than you look at yourself. Uh, he's called to equip you. And so you better be listening uh, when God gives him that pulpit, when when Pastor Christina comes up and you better be listening because that's 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 fodder for what you're going to do Monday through Saturday in your ministry. So to end even end that full time ministry phrase, we're all if you have a faith in Jesus Christ, you are called. Uh, so when when uh, when Christina left or at least for temporarily from MTF, what is MFT yeah. marriage and family therapy. Wow. Is that essential uh, for for today? Yes, it is. So you left that ministry temporarily to come into this ministry of pastor uh, and they're going to come back together and watch what that watch what's going to happen when that happens. Yeah. That's going to happen. But she's in ministry just like you're in ministry as a community developer, as an organizer. That's ministry. And so we have to stop looking at somebody up here. Mm -hmm. We're getting in all kinds of trouble with celebrity uh, yeah. celebrity personalities yeah. in yeah. the church and watching them fall and going, wow. And then we end up gossiping. Yeah. When because we've held them at a higher yeah. standard and really we're all at that standard. Right. Yeah. So that's a little bit of my soapbox. What are some things that you've that you've taken from your parents into your own ministry? And what are some things that you have corrected? I think for me, two things come to mind um, when I when I think of that balance, um, learning from my parents and then 
or or building on some of the the, the healthier things that were in place. So uh, let me start with the uh, church ministry. Um, we're going through the, the process, you know, third generation pastor. We've had two pastors in 60 years and now I'm the third one. And like like pastor says, it's not the family business, but it's it was an it was an, a legacy and an inher- spiritual inheritance that the Lord had on my life. So what's my job? What's my role? My role is to um, not to completely uh, professionalize ministry, but to be intentional about the structure of healthy ministry for healthy pastors. Um, we've gone through some pretty heavy stuff at, at the church with, you know, um, leaders and folks in our church. And so so what my job is to uh, how can we intentionally create some healthy ways of doing ministry? So I've implemented mandatory days off for our, our pastors. Um, I've implemented lots of uh, structure and policy in place, protocols in place that sometimes people look at me sideways like, well, this was like mom and pop church. I was like, yeah, this is a very large mom and pop <laughs> church yeah. that needs a little bit of more accountability and structure and and ability to um, us do full-time ministry better. And so so that's what we're going through as a church. And it's a healthy thing because like like Pastor Jack said, my, I'm giving the ministry away. I'm, I'm a facilitator. You can call me facilitator Josh Canales. <laughs> you don't have to call me pastor. I mean, I'm a pastor and I shepherd people and I love people with all my heart. I never met a stranger in my life, but my job is to facilitate. And that means to equip people and to and to create um, from the ground up the structure that we have never had Hmm. Um, because our church grew. And because, um, you know, Pops had a great idea of how to grow our church and, and, and administrate and lead and stuff like that. But what we're just putting some 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 bones and some yeah. meat on mm-hmm. on doing ministry like hey you know if i have a conversation with the pastors hey bro you you know josh i'm gonna be out for this weekend praise god where are you guys going uh anniversary weekend yeah. hey handle your biz make sure everything's in order we'll see you on the other side bro yeah. tell your wife we said hello we love her so that's the structure part of church that we're doing within the whole leadership and pastoral ministry on the other side so mm-hmm. here's the other side of that yeah yeah the reason why all that has to take place is because I was raised in a culture of you can't allow anybody to work harder than you. Mm. That's why I was always an overachiever, yeah, straight right. A student, the, the top student athlete of of my high school and, you know, professional athlete when it was all said and done, yeah. um, you know, drafted a couple times, you know, by the major league teams. And, and then and then you take 20 years of training and going after a dream and sports and then apply that to ministry. It's like, don't let anybody work harder than you. Right. So my first 10 years of ministry, I've been in ministry 18 years now, my first 10 years, um, I burned the candle at both ends. Mm. I was probably absent a lot, like, like my pops was back then. So I had to go and learn, uh, and unlearn because now I was in, I was in it and I was becoming it. And so the Lord just taught me, you know, make a garden because the only way that garden is going to is going to survive and thrive is if you water it, if you tend to the garden. And I'm not talking about symbolically, metaphorically, the garden of my marriage or my family, <laughs> a, li- a literal garden. Yeah. So uh, that was 10 years ago yeah. because I was I was 
full-time in two ministries. Wow. I was in seminary. I was coaching. I was a husband and a dad, like, and involved in the community like Pastor Jack, you know, on s- boards all over the country. And so um, I was like, well, things, something's got to change. So I cut a whole lot of stuff out. You know, I was like in every ministry of the church, yeah. you know, yeah. um, when I first came into ministry, like all 50 of them. <laughs> I, and I, I had to be there. Right. Because yeah. I had to show everybody that I was called and yeah. and I was going to I was going to, you know, put in. No, it's completely the wrong way of thinking. So now and my evenings are protected. Mm-hmm. I spend lots of time with my kids. Um, I work hard because my dad, my dad did did have something right. He says work starts when you get home. So I work hard here at church and, and administratively and all of that and, and caring for the sheep. And then I don't answer email, right? I take only an emergent phone call and I'm I'm with my kids. I'm with my wife. I'm present. I'm home. Yeah. I coach baseball. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And we have lots of other pastors and lots of other leaders that can do a whole lot of other stuff because the church has been around 2000 years. You know, people, people got skills, people got yeah. abilities yeah. and we're not yeah, the only do. ones. Right. Yeah. right. So I'm That's a facilitator right. yeah. and, and I love my job. I love my role and I'm excited about what God's doing in ministry. Um, never once have I told my kids, any of them that they're the next pastors or that God's got a calling on their life. If God calls my kids, praise the Lord. They're his, they're his children. My job is to just do it the the best way, the the healthiest way, and to love the heck out of their mom. Mm. If I love Boomy, like, um, I mean, can you just imagine? Yeah. That's that's my job. Somebody asked me one time, Pastor, what's your, what's your calling? What's your ministry? I was like, uh, husband and father. No, I mean, I mean, what's your, what's your, you know, your, your, your real calling? I was just like, huh. I don't think you heard me the first time. <laughs> my wife was a single, single parent child. She grew up in the hood in Long Beach. Yeah. My job is to be the dad that she never had yeah. and to be the father of her children that she never had. Right. That's my calling. Anything else that God has equipped me and blessed me and shown me to do, psh, man, that's easy. Yeah. yeah, That's easy. And so I say that with a smile, with joy. I'm not boasting. I'm not bragging. But I'm, mm-hmm. it's just for real. Like, I got my priorities in yeah. order. And I'm, that's work. That's work. That's work. It's that's work. work. It's work. So <laughs> don't get me started. Okay. I'm done. I mean, I'll be, I'll be, we could go there. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've learned just in, in the last couple of years is, you know, the road from, or the walk from the green room to the, to the pulpit, to the altar is, uh, is, is a marathon um, mm. and, and it's a strenuous walk. And so you gotta, you gotta learn to slow down. You gotta learn to, you know, um, to be present as pastor, you know, uh, pastor, mom, child, and all these different roles that we carry. Um, there's a quote by, uh, one of my professors at APU, um, Dr. Adams says, uh, pastors don't forget that they're pastors. They forget that they're people. Mm. And so it's easy to forget that, you know, you, you gotta be present wherever you're, wherever you are as, as a mom, like there are times that, uh, my sermon prep does look like running around a toddler and you know um and this one's you know seven months so and i'm about to learn what it's like to you know throw Two. another one in the mix yeah. and see what that looks like Ma- um man-to-man defense yeah exactly <laughs> and so um 
you know, you got to learn to just be present in, 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 in different seasons and wherever God is calling me to. And so that balance, which is something that I, I miss, like my brother and I were always in sports and I was always in, you know, uh, musicals and theater and, you know, uh, choral things. And, and to be that kid, to look out and not see your parents, like to see the parents of other, of other, you know, of other classmates and like their parents were rooting them on or, you know, so my brother and I always played, my brother played, you know, football and basketball. I played softball for a couple of years and then was always in music and theater and mom and dad, either at a cell group, at a board meeting, at a service or, or things like that, that, um, they didn't know how important those things were to us. Mm. So it's like we could go on their journey of pastoring, but they weren't coming to our world of, you know, sports and theater and, you know, just participating in our things. So there are things that I, I don't know if they're just cultural or, you know, like I was taught to, you know, you just sit down and my mom could give me the death stare from the altar. And I was like, <laughs> cool I now see my two-year-old running around and I'm okay with it yeah <laughs> you know because I want her to love the house mm -hmm. of the Lord yeah, yeah, yeah I want her to like if she needs me she did this on Mother's Day like I preached for Mother's Day and she came into the green room and she's like I want mommy I want mommy and I'm like I'm either gonna take her out and she's gonna she's gonna you know preach with me or you know, either her father or some caring person that she wants to go with, you know, will take her. But I'm not about to be like, absolutely not. You can't come with me. So I'm like, she needs me. Yeah. And, and I need to be present. So even in that green room, I'm like handing her, you know, toys and a candy. And I'm like, I'll be right back. Mommy's going to be so fast. I'll be, you know, I'll be so quick. <laughs> That's what you Jesus know? said. Let yeah. all the little children come unto me. Yeah. Last time I checked, he was preaching. He was, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So I see, like, I'll see her she'll come up you know on the altar during worship practice and you know if her dad's you know playing or and and it's like we're okay with that but for my generation that was like you know you sit down know or your like place. be quiet you know your place yeah your place. yeah and a death stare was good enough for me Done. a death stare is not gonna work for my daughter she's a she's <laughs> a Mommy, natural born leader yeah she's just Why like, does huh? it look like yeah that? She's like, I'm okay. And she'll just like run and, and do her thing. So I want her to love. I want her to love Jesus. I want her to love the house of the Lord. Yeah. Um, not necessarily the ministry and everything that we do, but just to just fall in love with Jesus. And that'll, that'll leave her, you know, fulfilled and, and satisfied. So I like make sure that she participates in everything that we do. And as changes, you know, now there's there's a generation of young people that are having kids and, and we don't want that to be the reason why they don't serve. So let's cater to the fact that we need child care. You know, like we have a conference this Saturday. We need child care. Cool. We're having we're having child care because, you know, we got to you got to do what you got to do. Whereas before, I feel like there was just this gap of. You know, your kids are here and they're you, they got to behave and they got to be dressed well and they got to be in their Sunday best. And now it's like, come on, this generation, you can't just say something. This generation's like, why? Well, who? <laughs> you know, they want all these these questions answered. And so I'm just learning um, that in in that road from, you know, the green room to the pulpit, to the counseling office, to whatever, to feeding the community, to whatever that looks like. It's like, you know, she's two years old. So come along come along rather than separating and you know trying to um trying to differentiate like the two it's like let's we're all doing this together and as she gets older I'm going to be attentive to what she needs so if she's in a musical I'm there front row you got it and so that 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 balance of putting away your phone 
and another leader can handle this or is it really an emergency or I can reply to these emails, you know, tomorrow, like Monday is my day off. So I am 100% present at the park or, you know, running around somewhere or drawing dinosaurs outside on the, you know, whatever she needs. Um, and I think that that's super important because sometimes I'm, I can cater to the needs of our congregation and I know what they need, but my daughter just needs me present. And so she needs my time, my attention. And so just learning to slow down self-care and remember that you're, you're, you're a pastor, but you got to remember you're a person yeah. first and foremost. So my, my senior pastor mm-hmm. says your first ministry is your home yeah. before anything. 100%. And, and I love seeing that. And you know, some people will get offended at when you have boundaries and you're yeah. like, why not? Why, why should you do that? Yeah. You know, again, it's about, you know, protecting your time. Right. Yes. You're protecting your family and you're, you're creating that separation, but it's really to protect yourself to, you know, protecting your mind, your health, you know, as well. Oh, it's just good to hear that, uh, a generation, uh, talking like this, uh, it's important. Uh, there was a generation that missed it and would have regrets. And you may never get an apology for those regrets. Uh, they'll say it uh, in a different way. Uh, and it's not easy to, to talk that way. Um, so it's good to hear. Priorities. Uh, just your priorities. Uh, John Wooden, UCLA basketball coach, uh, said the greatest thing I can do for my, fa- my, my children is to love their mother. And so Josh nailed that. Uh, that's absolutely true. And, and that's where I'm, my strength, uh, there's a lot of weaknesses, but my strength is in loving my wife. Uh, as far as ministry, as far as the ministry philosophy, I watch this show. Uh, I watch a lot of television that I probably shouldn't watch. <laughs> Not the quantity of it, just the programming of oh, it. Okay. I love that edgy, <laughs> dark stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, what, what are you, what, that has nothing to do with the gospel. And I love it. Uh, it's creative. Anyway, one of the shows has this uh, key figure, and she's eating breakfast, and she's having pork chops and uh, baked potato, and uh, and somebody walks in and says, it's breakfast. And she says, I hate eggs. Beside, who said? Like, who's, who said? Yeah. Uh, and that's how I approach ministry. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, who said you have to wear, uh, like, who said? Yeah. And so my wife was always kind of like, well, be careful. <laughs> And this is the key for me, two things to young pastors, young ministers, uh, go, getting into the vocation of the church, ecclesial ministry. Mm-hmm. Please divide that. Everybody who has a faith in Jesus Christ is a minister of the gospel. Right. But ecclesial, when we want to be a facilitator, a quipper, there's two types of pastors, in my humble opinion. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. I'm going to put a pause there for now. The rest of this will be aired next Thursday because there's still another hour to this conversation. Yes, that happened. So tune in next week to hear the rest of what Pastor Jack has to say and to hear the rest of the experiences from these wonderful pastors. You have a great week. Could I ever leave? Could I ever
Stay right here.